Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. War Eagle, everybody. Welcome back to Believe in Everything Auburn. Your loyal hosts, Taylor Davis and Jason Campbell, here to talk all things Auburn. And there's a lot to talk about, let's be honest. We are not really going to touch on the game from last week, the win over Mississippi State. Wonderful that we ended the season in a win, but we all know there's much bigger fish to fry right now. There is a lot going on around this Auburn football program, and Jason and I are going to talk about all of it. Obviously, the coaching change, coaching search that is still underway. Uh, Early signing day was yesterday, and and we've got some new Tigers headed our way. So we're going to talk about all of that, be very honest and candid about everything that's going on because it does – feel odd you know Jason we were talking before we started recording and at the end of the season to to kind of be in the position we're in right now where there's so much unknown so many question marks it's it's a very weird position to be in for this for this fan base and for this program right now yes uh good morning everybody well good evening um (laughs) I tell you this (laughs) Uh, it is a weary day outside. It is very cold, and it mm-hmm. kind of seems like where the Auburn program is right now, as far as yeah. like trying to figure out who's going to be our next head coach. It can be it can become weary to the fan base, and let's just you know put fans aside for a second and think about. We know that Gus got fired, but what about the assistant coaches and their families? So, yeah. you know, and their their families are affected in a way because a lot of them don't know if the new head coach that comes in is he going to keep them or is he going right. to bring his guys in. So it's just a lot of uncertainty right now, and uh, so we also have to think about the families that were all impacted by the fire in Gus. And uh, but there are some talented coaches that we still have on this staff that, if you are a coach and you come into Auburn, I can see you keeping some of these coaches on the staff because Absolutely. they're so valuable. They're, they mean a lot to Auburn and they do a great job. I was just like, mm-hmm. so, you know, sometimes just, uh, you know, we all just have to keep in mind right now, but it, it can become draining a little bit because most times when a coach is fired, the decision comes within three days, who's the next coach is. Yeah. But in this case, it's not the case. So yeah, it makes you wonder, did we have an idea who the next coach was going to be, if the next coach mm-hmm. was on the staff or if the next coach is still out there? Uh, I know we've put together a search committee from what I hear. And, uh, you know, we have some big names on that search committee. 
and, yep. and and everything. So I guess they're just trying to, I guess they're trying to roll everything out there and make sure they get all their ducks in a row and everything's lined up before they make a decision. I guess they're going to have a vote on it and decide from there who they go with. So, you know, right now this is unfamiliar territory for Auburn. We've always been, you know, uh, pretty sterile on what we, what we doing and who we got yeah. and everything. And like I said, this is 2020. So it makes sense. It makes yeah. sense. It's 2020. So, you know, we, we will see how this thing all transpires. But hopefully, you know, Taylor, with all the signings that we got yesterday, I believe it was what, 12, uh, if yep. I'm not mistaken. So, 12. you know, these young men, you know, they are committed. That shows me that they committed to Auburn no matter what. And right. uh, they love Auburn. So, you know, that's that's kind of guys that you want, to be honest. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, I commend them for making the decision that they did with all the unknowns. And I, I really like what you just pointed out, Jason, because I think this fan base feels like they're in a bit of a limbo. You know, the team feels that way, but the assistant coaches and their families must feel that way as well, because they don't know what's going to transpire and, and the ripple effects that that will have. And unfortunately, that's just the business of football. It, it is a business and it's, it's tough. And as we see Gus Malzahn did a lot of good things during his time at Auburn both as an OC and a head coach and I don't ever want that to be minimized or overshadowed by some of the struggles that we have had because what we're going to find out what people are going to be reminded of is that being the head coach at Auburn University is a tough job. I really had to stop myself from saying tough ass job because that felt more applicable. <laughs> I mean look when you're in the same state as what typically is the pinnacle of college football, the standard of college football, that is already difficult. You are on the state line of a program that has found themselves to be very stable. You're competing in the SEC, which is already just a gauntlet in and of itself. Plus you have the fact of Auburn fans have very high expectations for Auburn football, as we should. We have the resources, we have the, you know, everything you want in a college experience. There's no reason that we should not get high caliber athletes and compete for titles every year. But you have a fan base that's going to expect that. And as we saw with Gus, eight wins no longer appeased anybody. Whereas if he finds himself, you know, potentially in, in the Pac-12, that fan base is going to be elated to have eight win seasons. So I understand the evolution of this thing and why after so many years it got to the point where everyone felt like it was time for a change. But I don't think it's fair to overlook or undermine what the man did for the program, what the man did for so many players. I mean, the the outpouring of support on social media from people that literally played under him, spent personal time with him. You have gripes with him as a fan who sits on the couch eating popcorn watching the football game. You're entitled to your opinion, but I take it with a grain of salt. I'm listening to the guys who have been in that locker room with him, been in his office one-on-one -on -one, and walk away with life lessons and really impactful uh, time with him. That speaks volumes. And I think that he deserves nothing but our respect and our gratitude for everything he's done up until this point. And I understand that the change needed to happen. I agree that it was time. I just, I give a lot of credit to Gus Malzahn for everything he's done to his family. Look, this isn't an easy thing to go through, you know? I'm sure that this has been tough. 
And so I just, I wanted to say, you know, I certainly appreciate everything that Coach Malzahn did for the program, the person he is, um, and the love that he poured into his boys, because I, you can totally tell that that's the kind of coach he was. And I don't think anyone uh, should overlook the impact that that has. Yeah, you talk, you're right. Um, you know, you think about this position like as his wife, you know, I'm pretty sure it was super stressful. You know, this is coming mm -hmm. from a person where, you know, I was a coach son and, uh, and I knew, you know, from living in a house. Of, of your dad being the coach and then your mom having to having to deal with everything that, you know, that's behind him, you know, so it's not easy, you know, on the wife and the, and the children as well. You know, you know, people can say some hard things, harsh things, you know, even when I was playing quarterback at whatever level, you know, you throw an interception, you're going to hear something, you know? Yeah. So if you are a head coach, you got to be ready to accept the, the criticism as well as when you were winning, you accept the rewards. And, uh, and you understand as you grow that it's part of the business. I think the thing that hurts Coach Malzahn probably today is the fact that in his mind, he probably feels like I didn't get the job done that I wanted to get done. And I think that's the most defeating thing. Uh, anytime you've been traded or cut or, you know, as a coach, even though they're paying him a healthy buyout and everything, like it's still bigger than the money at the end of the day when it comes to him from the inside. It's just like, dang, I didn't get the job done that I wanted to get done. And I think that what eats, a, eats at you the most. And, um, and like I say, from a character standpoint, you couldn't ask for a better coach from a character standpoint and, and, and everything and how he carried himself. You never had to worry about the program getting in any trouble or anything illegal. And, um, and, and like you said, then watching the watching the games, everything, you know, the energy and everything just seemed to change. Yeah. And when you see that, you know, if you are competing against, like you said, the other school across the state and uh, and the SEC, and then you see the SEC is back on the horizon, and I think you start to feel the pressure. And yeah. I think you and I think the pressure kind of built up from a standpoint that they feel like it's a time for a change and it's a time for the program you know, maybe for a change and, uh, and everything. It wasn't going to be easy, no matter if it was this year, next year, five years from now, whenever it right. happened, it's never an easy thing. Whoever comes in has, has a tough job of trying to rally all these guys together. And how I do that, it's a competition at every position. I do not mm -hmm. care if you was a starter from the year before. It is an open competition because that's going to get you out of your comfort zone and make you put your butt to work. 100%. I mean, in a way, this could be a clean slate for everybody. And I think when you look at this one and the decision, I think a lot of people were surprised, A, that Auburn did it because of the buyout that was so publicly known during a year where the athletic department is absolutely not making the income. But you know that this money is not coming from the athletic department. It's coming from boosters. But also the timing in which it happened because it happened after a win we all saw the video of the locker room post game, him dancing, and it, it kind of looked like they had turned a corner. It almost would have made more sense if they fired him after the AM game because it, it was just another example of letting one slip through your fingers. So I think the surprise factor that some people had, you have to consider the fact that the narrative has been the same at Auburn for several seasons. This wasn't an isolated situation, and they acted abruptly on a rough year, which by the by included a global pandemic. This has been the case for a while. And I think the problem has been as the competition level 
in the SEC, heck, in the ACC, we'll just say the Power Five, as the competition level in the Power Five has evolved and changed and, and kind of had a redirection, as the landscape of college football has changed with, with the playoff and how things are structured and, and the eye test and everything that's now a regular part of college football, how high school ball has evolved and these kids come out ready to play freshman year. Like, mm-hmm. so much has changed And I don't think enough was changing at Auburn. You kind of have to grow and evolve with the times. And in terms of the product you're putting on the field, how you're developing these players, it felt like we were doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result. And that's the definition of insanity. And so I understood the need for the change. My problem now is half of the change has been implemented, but we haven't seen it through. So let's talk about where things are now as they continue this coaching search. Like you said, a committee has been put together of some people that are uh, evaluating the situation and, and interviewing candidates. A big name right now is Kevin Steele. And there has been quite the uproar this week on social media because, you know, fans do not feel like that would be a step in the right direction. They feel it, it might be a bit of a, a parallel step. And so um, my thing with this one, Kevin Steele's experience as a head coach, his record isn't great. When he was a head coach at Baylor, he went nine and 36. So not great. Here's the thing. Kevin Steele is one of the most exciting energy invigorating coaches I have ever been around. I have been in meetings with Kevin Steele ahead of broadcasts prepping for games. And I literally left like in a heightened state. He gets you excited about whatever you're doing. And and I know that these players have been impacted by him in that way. And I think for Auburn, we've talked about it on this show, teams take on the personality of their head coach. And like you said, Gus is a bit more of a a private, uh, reserved guy, keeps things close to the chest. And our team kind of took that energy on. And I think it's been hurting us in the past few seasons because we didn't see that spark, that intensity, that urgency, that that intimidation factor. You, You didn't really get that. I do see it on the defensive side of the ball, though. Some of those guys fly around the field and and make you beat them, and I credit Coach Steele for that. So I think energy-wise, morale, um, kind of the the swagger that we've talked about, I think Coach Steele would do a great job in that department. A lot of fans pinpoint his his you know track record as a head coach. That's not necessarily my concern. I, I understand the hesitation that this might not be any different. And I kind of get that because if we have Kevin Steele in the head coach situation, really uh, you, you think the only change is going to be the elimination of Gus Malzahn. And I don't think that's the only fix. I, I think offensively we're really struggling and we've been in a bad situation on the offensive side of the ball for the past several years. And so I don't know if you bring in Kevin Steele, even from a monetary standpoint, what just got put out to get rid of Gus Malzahn, what you will pay to promote Kevin Steele to head coach, 
And then my personal opinion is that you need someone other than Chad Morris. I don't think that if you've got a defensive minded guy at the head coach position, that just Chad Morris is enough to fix the offensive woes. So you've got to fork out a big amount of money to bring in a better offensive coordinator. Like I just don't see where that business wise makes sense and pulls us out of the hole that we're in. I think it'll be too reminiscent of years past. And you just made a whole bunch of incredible uh, points. Uh, <laughs> but I tell you, like, the reason Gus lost his job was because of the offense. Let's just face it. You know, yeah. it, it's true. You know, over the last few years, uh, you know, we struggled to score points uh, against tough opponents. We struggled to, you know, be consistently um, from an offensive standpoint. And, you know, he's tried to change coordinators. He's tried to take it back himself and, and run it and be the head coach. And he figured out, okay, I need to be more of a CEO. So then he goes out and he hires Chad Morris, you know, who he thought would come in and release some pressure off him. But we still didn't see the offense really, like, expand or do anything differently. And I don't know if not having a full spring, a full summer together had a lot to do with that. But even as the season went along, you know, you never saw anything, like, just really that that – popped out at you that that looked differently than what we've been doing. And, uh, and I think that's what the fan base and the boosters probably got frustrated with because they're saying, okay, we're paying our head coach, who's an offensive-minded head coach, a lot of money, but our offense seems to be the biggest part of our problem right. and, uh, and everything. And it wasn't so much the run game. The run game has been awesome. Mm -hmm. uh, you think about Gus run game through the years, like they've always been a top in the SEC. You know, people have always had problems stopping his run game. It's always been the, it's always been the graduation of the passing game. That's, yep. that's been the problem. You know, we hadn't been able to have a consistent passing game that looks apart. Maybe they do like coach Steele and they're just trying to figure out like, okay, how would, how do we piece the whole puzzle together? Or yeah. there may be other people that they just want to go through the whole evaluation process of saying, we want to interview everybody because we're not just looking for the next head coach for two years. We're looking for the next head coach for 10 years, you know? Mm -hmm. And, uh, and so when you're doing that, you, you, of course you want to take your time and, and, and everything. And I understand that now the pressure of having an early signing day period in December, uh, puts a lot of pressure now on those situations. But I think Auburn is saying, Hey, you know, we're Auburn. A lot of kids still want to come here. Mm -hmm. And they know and they believe and they trust the system that we're going to get this right. And that's why these kids are still signing. If you look at the signing class yesterday, we ended up getting, you know, a defensive tackle that's a big-time player, uh, you know, Lee Hunter, you know, out of Blunt High School. Blunt High School has put some great players through Auburn. Uh, you know, Marco McNeil come to my head, uh, D.D. Green, uh, you know, mm -hmm. he was a good player. Uh, so, you know, it's just some guys that have come out of that Mobile area that's been really good. We ended up getting a four-star quarterback and uh, yeah. Demetrius Davis, uh, you know, who's a four-star quarterback. And, and you know, that and that speaks something there, Taylor. Like, well, a quarterback that stay on board when things are going through a change and he still wants to come, you know, like. Here's the thing, though. I think if Gus had not been fired, this kid probably would not have signed with Auburn. It was very well known across the board. Gus was committed to Bo. No matter where Bo was leading us, Gus was committing to Bo. I think once Gus got fired, quarterbacks looked at this as a competition that they could win. Yeah, and that's the thing, you know, like, like I said, I have nothing against the kid, Bo. There's a lot of things he got to do to evolve. And let's start with the pocket, you know, like he's got to mm -hmm. learn to stay in the pocket. And then when he's scrambling, he got to stop scrambling 20 yards backwards, you know, yep. like 
that's that's a huge problem because to me that looks like you're just playing backyard ball and not within what the confinements of the game because during the right. confinements of the game there comes a time to throw the ball away there comes a time Ooh. to say okay they got us i'm gonna throw this ball away and live to see another play and you don't have to make every play and i feel right. like he's got in his head that i have to make every play yes you point the finger at Bo because like these they are still kids but they're grown like they're grown boys. They're uh-huh. getting there at least. Yeah. We're, we're not going to get into that conversation, but like you have to take accountability of what, you know, you're putting out on the field and how you're improving and things like that. But you also have a direct line to the head coach when you're seeing repeated issues in the same form every time they take the field. Like you can see Bo has raw athletic ability, but you can also see he's got these really bad habits that he has yet to be forced to break. That is on a head coach to right. see the good, maintain that, but structure it differently as to eliminate the habits. That has not been done yet. So you do point to the head coach in terms of development of the players as soon as they get there. So I really hope that this new quarterback is going to come in into a better suited situation mm-hmm. and that Bo is forced to kind of iron out the kinks a little bit because thus far that hasn't been insisted of him. All right. But overall, when I look at this, you know, we got some guys in some places where we need some guys. Like, we got a safety that was a four-star. I'm not really big on stars, but I guess it means something to see them because, (laughs) you know, so we had to have a safety that's out of Tallahassee. That's an awesome player. Um, That's that's what we need. You know, we need a safety back there that can cover. Uh, We got some guys that can come up and hit, but we haven't done so well covering. And I think that's something that Smoke Monday can improve. Uh, this offseason. Yes, he had some pick sixes, but when you look at the overall, he struggled in coverage. But that's something yeah. that he can improve. But, uh, you know, overall, I just I just think that uh, we need kids that love Auburn. I, I agree with you. And I think, you know, when you look at this one, after one day, you know, only 12 players, especially compared to what, you know, Alabama and LSU put together. I mean, like, holy frick, Alabama's gonna be so loaded <laughs> at wide receiver. It's like alarming. But Um, So we currently sit at like 46th nationally, but you've got plenty of time, obviously, through February for for things to trickle in. And you got to assume once a new head coach is announced, he brings in guys that he's been communicating with, things like that. Um, But I even think this list of 12 is emblematic of what I just said. Majority of this is on the defensive side of the ball. And while we need that, and it is incredibly important, we need some investment in the offensive side because the offense has been a problem. And look, even some current pieces are heading out the door. I don't know what Seth Williams' future is going to entail. We don't know what Anthony Schwartz is going to do, especially with the, you know, Olympics still a potential for him. Running back Mark Anthony Richards has entered the transfer portal. So even some of the pieces that have been productive for us this year may be removed this time next year. And so we need investment on the offensive side of the ball. I'm talking personnel and I'm talking coach and staff. And I I don't know that you're going to get that if Kevin Steele or any defensive-minded head coach takes that role. But I do want to say if Kevin Steele is announced as the head coach, I can find a million reasons why it's a good idea. I just think if that is the decision that this group of people put together at this time 
we have to find positive in it. There is a lot of good that will come from Coach Deal in a leadership position. So I just want to put that out there in case that does become the final decision. But obviously, some other names that are being talked about at a very high level, Hugh Freeze, Steve Sarkeesian, who I asked you about because it doesn't seem like it's been as much of a talking point, but they are still in, in the thick of season. They're in SEC Championship Week, so you got to assume he's – He's unable to talk much right now, but he's very much on list for head coach positions. Uh, Bill Napier is up there. Now they're talking about Tom Allen from Indiana. So the names keep fluctuating a little bit. I think Cristobal was the front runner for a little while, and now it seems like Oregon, I think today, had unanimously agreed mm-hmm. on a on an extension for him, a six-year deal. So um, the Coastal Carolina coach, Jamie Chadwell, he signed an extension, so he's staying at Coastal. So I think things are continuing to evolve, which is making this harder for this search committee because other schools are now locking down and going, hold up, we need to solidify what we have, which is just kind of sending us on the runaround. So um, as far as this uh, early signing class, what do you think about about that point that it, it clearly shows, you know, that the defensive side is continuing to grow? You know what you could also take away from this, Jason, is that Kevin Steele is a very effective recruiter. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm going to tell you right now, I, I'm going to go back to a couple of things you just said that was very important. Uh, but for the last thing you just said, like Coach Steele and them being a great recruiter, let's talk about T. Will and Rodney Gardner on that side of the ball. Those two guys oh, have yeah. been the biggest recruiters for Auburn in the last, you know, five, six years. And, um, you know, there was a reason Derek Brown, Marlon Davidson, you know, K.J. Britt, you know, Sean Davis, a lot of these guys came to Auburn. And uh, and everything. So so that's why you're still seeing that side of the ball get a lot of those signees. Now, you know, we had a Cadillac last year to the staff. You've got Tank Bisley. And all of a sudden now you've got some more running backs that's kind of waiting to see what's going to happen with his status because they want to come to Auburn. So I'm pretty yeah. sure any smart coach, if his IQ level is where I think it is, he's going to make sure Cadillac stays. And, um, and my whole thing, but when you, when you said defensive-minded head coach may be what we need or don't need, over the years that Auburn has won uh, championships and won a lot of games, it has been with a defensive head coach. But what has he always had was a really good offensive coordinator. Exactly. And so if, if Coach Steele was to be the head coach or if there was to be another head coach and he was a defensive-minded head coach, it's so parallel that he gets the right offensive guy. And uh, because that's been the Achilles heel a little bit uh, in a couple of years. So, you know, and then when you talk about as far as like these other coaches landing these jobs, if I'm an agent, I'm throwing my, I'm throwing my client's name out there all over the place for these big jobs, knowing that I want him, knowing that in his head, he's going to stay because if you come to Auburn, it's a lot of pressure. Not everyone can, handle that job because you're competing with Saban, you're competing with LSUs and, and Georgias of the world every year. And you can win your conference where you're at a lot and get put on the pedestal and make a lot of money. But you come to Auburn, you know, if you win, it's going to be a competitive, competitive environment where it's your schedule. That's your school you're at now. You may only have to win two, three games that, you know, you look at the schedule, but okay, these are three that we got to get the rest of, you know, Kate walks. So, you know, it's a little different thing, but that's how the agents throw these guys' names out there to get them more money. Like, Coastal Carolina, as soon as that name went out there, they're having a great year, boom, what happens? Contract extension. Crystal Ball, 
I don't doubt that Crystal Ball liked Auburn. I think he liked Auburn. I don't think he was coming. I think they just used yeah. that as an opportunity because Nike got all that money up there to Oregon to get the That's contract true. that he to get the contract that he wants. Mm -hmm. So you think about Hugh Freeze now. Okay, Liberty just gave Hugh Freeze a three million dollar a year contract. Now, since the fact that his contract was already in place and they didn't utilize the Auburn thing to boost his contract. Now, I think, do you think Auburn's going after him? Yeah, I think they're trying to. Um, you think about Tom Allen, okay? Tom Allen's agent, all of a sudden, this was last minute. So I think, okay, they probably looking saying, okay, we gonna, Indiana is like saying, okay, do we keep him if Auburn tries to get him? But you mentioned before that his buyout is something ridiculous. Yeah. And I don't know what his buyout is if he was to leave and go to another school. So, right. you know, it's just so many things that's up in the air when you think about this whole thing. And I think it's going to give some people some gray hair by the time it's done. And <laughs> I think, you know, it gives a lot of people something to talk about and stay intrigued. Like right now, Auburn is on the watch. Everyone yeah. around the country is kind of like watching to see, like, what do Auburn do and who do we land? Now, the thing is, Taylor, how much money do we have to throw out there for certain coaches? Because Apparently we have to remember. A lot. <laughs> the thing is. We got to pay Gus $21 million to go home. Yeah. Like, think about that. You get $21 million. They send you home and send you with a $21 million check. Like, 10 in 30 days. Yeah, like that's, ah, it's just so much in the air right now because they got to get this right from a standpoint yeah. of that Auburn basketball is doing great. Baseball is doing great. But football is still is the ham of Auburn. Yeah. It is still like the go-to sport. And a lot of the stuff that feeds off the football program is why you see their facilities getting better is because the money that the football program brings in. So it's yeah. in peril that we get the right, that we get it right because a lot of the other, a lot of the other teams and, and coaches in our school benefits off of it. So yeah. that's why this thing is so important. And you can't just jump out there in the wind and just say, I'm going to make a decision off emotions. Uh, you really have to think long and hard about this. And you still got the February to get some of the signing guys that you want. But when I think about this signing class to a point right now, it's like you said last episode, it's more about quality than quantity. Yeah, if, you get 20, if you get 20 solid players that are great players and can contribute immediately. Early, yeah. Impact, then you won the recruiting class. It doesn't matter if they finish 25 or they finish 30 because they don't have the numbers that some of the other schools have as far as like how many they sign. But if we got the quality, that's all that matters at the end of the day. Yep. I completely agree with you. And we certainly have that. And I think when you look at this, 12 players on early signing day and, oh, was that because of the head coach? Actually not. Before Gus was fired, I think we talked about it on the last episode, we were expecting 12. We only lost a couple yesterday and we were able to bring in a couple more. So we basically broke even, even with a coaching change and not knowing who's the next guy up. So I think that's important, but you're absolutely right. You know, four-star defensive tackle, Lee Hunter, that's a, that's a huge one. He actually also flipped a, a teammate of his three-star defensive back, Armani Diamond. They were teammates. They played at Blunt or whatever it's called together. Um, so he brought him in, and that's certainly impressive. We also have former Oklahoma All-Big 12 tight end Grant Calcaterra that came in, so that's an offensive addition. And then, yeah, four-star quarterback Demetrius Davis, he's the number eight dual-threat quarterback in the nation, and he's from Texas, which we all know what 
Texas high school football is like. He is the winningest quarterback in Texas high school history. He has a 48 and two record as a starter and two state, two state titles in Texas. Like, <laughs> yes, this guy is a, this is a competitor and he's competed on very big stages, arguably the biggest you can compete on for a high schooler. So mm-hmm. uh, really encouraging to see that. I would have loved to see a bit more on the offensive line. We got a three-star offensive lineman in Garner Langlow, but Definitely an area that I would like to see us continue to um, put some emphasis in, but it's a good starting point. And and like I said, I think as coaching decisions are made, I, I will fully expect some some recruits to come rolling in because that would have been very daunting if I was in their situation saying, okay, I'm already having to make this decision without even stepping foot on campus this year. Now you're telling me I have to make it without knowing who my head coach is going to be. Like that's that's a very difficult decision to make. So I commend these guys. I'm excited to see what they're able to do once they get to the Plains. But it's just a, it's a weird situation. But I think what Auburn fans need to remember is what we all say all the time, that Auburn fans don't just love Auburn football. We love Auburn. And if you really mean that, then the way you handle this situation right now will be very evident. And I think that as decisions are made and and things continue to evolve and change, you may not like the final decision. You may love the final decision. Either way, we're going to see what happens by the time we take the field next year. So I think we all just got to ride it out and trust that this thing will take shape, may take time, but it'll get back to what we want it to be. I feel very confident about it. Well, you just said something key. Like, that's a hot topic. Like, there, um, you come to Auburn because you love Auburn. And that's what we need right now more than anything. We need players that want to come there because they love it and they want to be a part of it and they want to change the dynamic. And uh, so, you know, hey, we'll see what happens here. I, I, You know, the word on the street is a decision will be made probably by Christmas. Christmas is next Friday for those that don't know. Uh, if you haven't <laughs> haven't been shopping or because this Ooh. year has it is, it's come upon us so fast. It has. Um, you know, so I'm just throwing it out there. It's next Friday, people. It's next Friday. So the biggest gift Arbor can get right now is finding out who their coach is before Christmas. That's going to wrap it up for us this week on Believe in Everything Auburn. Also, a little housekeeping announcement. Not that Jason and I have talked about this, but I'm just assuming we're not going to do an episode next week because it's Christmas. And so we are going to take next week off as far as episodes, and then we'll be back at it the week after. i got to assume we'll be talking about our new head coach. So make sure you join us at that point. Everyone have a very Merry Christmas. This has certainly been a weird year, but the holiday season is a great time to reset and kind of refresh a little bit. That's exactly what this Auburn football program is doing. So uh, Merry Christmas from Jason and I to all of you. War Eagle always. And I'm looking forward to 2021. All good things, right, Jay? Hey, all you got to do is look forward. Don't look at the past. You can't drive forward looking in the rearview mirror. So I say this to everybody. Enjoy Christmas. Drink your eggnog. Drink your hot chocolate. Ooh. Hey, Taylor. I don't Who eat. Likes I, don't, I, don't drink, I don't drink eggnog, but it That's seems a to be a hot topic. It seems no. to be a hot topic on no. the movies. I watch no. the movies. It's always eggnog. eggnog if so. you like eggnog, quit listening to this podcast. We would not get along. <laughs> Just kidding. Please tell your friends. <laughs> Drink your egg and all. Have, a, have fun. Enjoy your family. Have a good Christmas, everybody. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. 
Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.